So it said, um, for one who is uh, is collected, who is who has samadhi, who has the unification of mind. There's no need to set up the effort, the intention, the will. May I see things as they really are. It's in accordance with nature. It's in naturalness. There's a, it's in accordance with Dhamma. That one will see things as they are. As they really are. And for one who sees things as they really are, there's no need to set up the intention. May I become uh, disenchanted or dis- and dispassionate. May I lose these fascinations and obsessions and uh, getting stuck in things and drawn out in this and that and the other. Um, it's in accordance with nature. It's na- it's a it's in accordance with dhamma that one will um, be free of these uh, trances and spells and being spellbound and um, caught up. One who is uh, dispassionate, there is no need to set up the intention. Uh, may there be the knowledge and the insight of liberation. It is the is in accordance with Dhamma. It happens. The change happens by itself. There is liberation. Meditation, Dhamma is a process, and this kind of it's the phrase that the process happens, the shift happens. You don't, you you unsets up the conditions for that that to happen, that to occur. Mm. You know, it can't be tinkered with, and yet one has to be involved. One has to be involved in a particular process um, rather than personal desire one has to give give up oneself and yet uh, not be um, uninvolved one involves uh, uh, one, e- one engages with with uh, with with virtue uh, virtue beyond one's immediate self-interest mm. altruism uh, kindness uh, uh, forbearance Relinquishment. One engages with these things. Uh, one experiences the quality of uh, a rapture that is not just uh, excitement, but a rapture that comes from the skillful work of mind, skillful focusing of attention, the skillful relinquishment and uh, proper working of the mind. Beyond and above one's self-interest, sometimes um, one has to, in order to experience rapture, we have to really work through ourselves, through our worry, through our doubt, through our tightness and holding, our dreariness and 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 short spans of attention, and not wanting to be bothered, or impatience. So it's really coming out of ourselves, coming out of the narrowness of ourselves, and so on, and so. Um, the quality of ease, samadhi, based upon is based upon the quality of ease that comes from this uh, 
skillful work that takes us out of the narrowness of ourself Samadhi is a kind of a, a way place um, a refuge place uh, um, an oasis um, where in a way one has come out of one's uh, the narrowness of oneself one is in the largeness of oneself the, the, the mind made great the jitta made great the self made great um, a kind of liberation from worry and dullness and uh, greed and aversion as, as ongoing programs that, that we can be caught up with but um, it's not a final liberation because the, 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 um, the programming is still there and it's a cleaning off of the effects and we begin to Yes, feel what it could be like you know, see ourselves in a different light experience ourselves in a different light so any Dhamma practice gives us the opportunity to be a bit bigger than we normally than our thinking mind or our moods can, can figure us as the act of generosity, kindness, forgiveness patience, these are all the things that make us a bit bigger we can get pretty cramped and mingy at times and petty and stuck and so forth but we just knowing not just as an idea really knowing we can be bigger than all that and we can be bigger than our our minds the crampness of our minds samadhi is a kind of expansive experience the very the factors of samadhi as it as it as a process um, do help to give us an idea, um, a way of, of understanding um, um, mind or self or self-awareness it's, it's, a, it's, a cha- it's a difficult topic it's, the language is difficult um, but with samadhi you have primarily you have different uh, first you have a certain range of factors that involve factors we'd normally call mind and this, this is actually directing our, our conceiving mind or ability to focus on something and know it's that know this is the a finger, this is the breath this is the feeling, that, that ability and the ability to explore it what's it like, how big is it, where does it go to really kind of get into it and these we would normally call what our mind does normally Often, often um, it's not particularly well guided. You know, we can find ourselves exploring all kinds of stuff that isn't that skillful, and not exploring things that would actually give us a great deal of uh, more well-being, or focusing on things that just make us feel depressed or enraged or um, um, unhappy. When there's things we could focus on that would make us feel more contented. So, but. So the mind, you have this basic process of kind of pointing at something and then drawing in and and, and exploring it, and that could be skillful or unskillful. That's what's going on. That's what we normally, that's what we experience as our mind. Mm. And that's present in samadhi. But in, in samadhi, it's just actually focused on something that's giving us a sense of a well-being, um, isn't stirring up um, suffering. 
and affliction, worry, doubt, uh, craving, aversion, so on. You know, like breath, the body, and using using the that that mind in a particular way. You know, not just the, just the object, but the whole way of using the mind. Mm-hmm. So the mind is uh, is trained, is cared for, is cultivated, is, is nurtured. You know, the mind that's that's become used to being erratic, um, fearful, lacking confidence, um, patchy attention needs a lot of help. So just cultivating samadhi is really an ongoing process of giving giving the right kind of food, the right kind of food of the heart, the right kind of encouragement and groundedness to keep uh, nourishing that till the, till that that mind actually does stabilize actually this mind is is not it's just an aspect really of a much larger picture that we probably use different words for we might say you call it a heart we might talk about soul or awareness or consciousness and this mind thing is only a little fragment of that. Buddha called it the the the, the verbal formation, you know, the kind of nattering thing. <laughs> you know, and he said this is you know this is part of part of a much larger thing that we probably also recognise, but wouldn't normally call mind. Um, and so in samadhi you have this this mind stuff. Uh, Focusing and evaluating, and you also have something more of a, a felt nature, which is a sense of of uplift or joy and uh, and ease, which is a much more suffusive experience, much less localized, and is felt, a felt thing. And also in samadhi, one has a sense of um, stability or presence, one pointedness. One is, mm. one is established. There is that quality of presence, which is perhaps uh, in ordinary life quite remote, or very not not particularly strong at all. One experience of oneself as a vague presence that's jittering around, or a vague presence with stuff running through it, not a particularly solid presence. Or if one feels solid, one feels solid in an afflictive way, held in something. And, and trying to get out of it or, or oppressed by something. But the sense of presence, well-being and uh, this uh, a mind or a mentality that's actually clear, focusing and wholesome. Mm-hmm. So these three, three elements coming together, the feeling sense, the sense of presence and the sense of, of skillful awareness. And this is uh, in samadhi the beginning of it but then as there's more fuller um, dwelling in that the, the qualities of presence and feeling seem to t- to become more dominant and what we call the mind actually stops or is, is relinquished or is subsumed into that so in, in further cultivation of samadhi then these, this particular factor is not present there's no mind. 
in that sense and yet uh, there are different qualities, levels, stages whatever you like to call them of samadhi that don't have the particular mind in it and yet there is no, all, all of these are described as something that one is knowing one is seeing and in fact the knowing and seeing become easier once your mind's got out of the way So just to just to recognise when you use things like the knowledge and insight, that this can occur without um, the experience of what we normally call a mind. So if there's no mind, how do we know anything? What is the mind? What is knowledge? What is knowing? What is sensitivity? What is awareness? What is being able to be? conscious of anything you know? and it, it, it just this begins to perhaps be helpful in, in realising you know that whether one's in samadhi or not there's a lot more going on than what we normally assume our mind to be and one of the uh, lessons we have to learn is how to get out of our mind or how to relinquish that narrowness that we call our mind first of all a narrowness that's, that's very uh, afflicted by hurt, fear, pain, grief, need, depression, despair, insecurity, you know. So it's extremely narrow, you know, kind of bunched up and agitated uh, uh, to, to a mind that's maybe where those things are lessened, but it's still very much total self interest. Everything is perceived as me, mine, in that way. Uh, so that everything is kind of refracted through this particular lens we experience, we, where we can be, feel very uh, isolated, alone, um, cut off, um, you know, things of that nature, or self-important. You know, the two two swings of it, aren't there? You know, the, the triumphant sort of self, total self-importance how wonderful I am and the other one how useless I am um, and and recognising how those uh, very much affect our ability to um, to put it mildly our ability to relate to other beings <laughs> particularly there's a, there's a whole lot of people all experiencing the same sense of these same kind of experiencing things from their own through their own lenses you know which is the, which is the standard? <laughs> so you can see, it's, it's not that easy to live harmoniously. I mean, most of us are probably not at the wildest edges of these swings, but we're probably oscillating on a little subtle levels of feeling a little bit up and a little bit down, a little bit like, you know, I'm on top of it, or nobody loves me, or something like that, or the odd one out, or things of that nature, or I'm always responsible. You know, and actually then acting in ways that perpetuate those particular um, tendencies you know, this is not madness but it's certainly I- I- in balance and from that then these, uh, these more afflictive forms uh, of, of really of unwholesomeness arise 
so a lot of meditation is really um, at that point where with the level with with skillful cultivation of cedar we become come out of direct unwholesomeness but we we're still in this mood this feel is this state of of um, insecurity um, nervousness uh, neediness um, you know fearfulness worry or it's going on little trips in our in our in our minds, facet fantasies, craving, so forth. Mm. And samadhi is very helpful for just being able to get to a larger state than that. And it seems uh, that what is runs in tandem with getting to a larger state than that is actually getting to an experience of mind that is bigger than this uh, thinking, evaluating sense. Not without, not that it's separate from it, but it, there's something more than that going on. If we only have that thinking, evaluating going on, we can't arrive at the larger sense of awareness, um, where where this narrow um, state of being um, is unfolds is released into something bigger where the, the same sense of insecurity, nervousness, fearfulness, neediness does not have to occur because we have a resource of well-being so therefore we're not needy we have a resource of, of presence we're, not, we're no longer ins- unstable insecure mm. so with these things then the, the the qualities of aversion the potential for aversion is much limited because we don't have we don't have it's a defensive when we have our own well-being when we've got our own stability and presence the covetous, the ambition, jealousy um, uh, fault finding and so forth doesn't have to be there and we've come to an experience of ourself it's still very much like ourself but it's, it's much larger and one can rest in that and abide in that and this is the place where we can see more clearly or know more clearly in, in a way beyond the ordinary thinking mind how things really are Thinking mind doesn't really know how things are. It may be able to explain it, read it in a book, but it doesn't really know in a deep, in a way of knowing when knowing becomes a feeling and knowing becomes presence. It can only know in the sense in which knowing is a thought. And to deepen and for enlightenment, knowing has to be a, a feeling and a presence. It has to have both a suffusive, um, expansive and and uh, radiant quality and also the firmness and in the deeper levels of samadhi or the more refined levels of samadhi that that quality of, of suffusive radiance just becomes cooler and subtler to something like just uh, like evenness of mind a very expansive even mind and the sense of, of presence just becomes uh, uh, doesn't, there's no heaviness to it it's a, it's a very fine, one-pointed 
quality. And with the with if one if that is being experienced, then all any the, the any kind of fluctuation is very very easily registered. But for most people, this is um, a rare or experience or something that is not experienced. But it's useful to, to, to at least have a reference to that as a way of, of approaching practice beyond the mind. To know something beyond your mind. To know it in the feeling sense and to know it in the, in the present sense. This is where... Um, Body, oh, the experience of body is, is a is a primary one and a very helpful one. Not just when I say body, not just the the anatomy, but the the sense of having a body, the bodily sense, the feeling sense of a body, the feeling sense of being embodied, if you like that. So it doesn't just mean that particular tactile sensations that ping around on the body, the twinges and pulses, but the very Mood of being in one's body. So it's not exactly a, um, you know, it's not exactly tactile, but it's the the mood of embodiment. I'm here, Uh, and this is a valuable place because it's a place of some wholeness, uh, where we can see more readily how things actually occur, how things happen to us. Now you notice in the body sense, um, when you experience, say, you you knock your finger with a hammer, you experience that part of the body is is, is hurt, damaged, and there's a, the sensation is there in your finger. It's not in your ears, it's not in your toes, it's in your finger, and yet the feeling is everywhere. I feel hurt. Ah. It's not just, oh, there seems to be some hurt down that finger. <laughs> well, I we'll we'll do something about that, I suppose. Hmm. It's I feel hurt. Hmm. It suddenly becomes a universal thing, doesn't it? You know, the feeling takes a sensation and makes it a, a universal. And the universality is, is the mental understanding. Hey, I am. And the sense then becomes of a universal feeling a feeling of, of hurtness painfulness and then an abstract thing I it's not the toe that feels hurt it's I that feel hurt but you know I feel hurt uh, and it's not just a linguistic thing it actually that's what it, it's like and yet we didn't stick a nail we didn't hit our eye with a hammer how did I get to feel hurt? <laughs> and when you're ill, it's I feel ill. Mm. Got a headache? Oh, I've got a headache. I feel ill. It's not just little part of me out there, and the rest of me just, you know, when it's there, it's 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 the total sense of oneself. That's what feeling does. Takes a physical sensation transforms it into a mental mood and the mental mood then crystallizes into a personality state I am and 
you know that that's that's the way it is and of course that's kind of workable because if it wasn't like that you know we might have our you know knocking our fingers away and uh, not doing anything about it and of course it can be the the set, the, the way it, that, that that can actually happen just by where the sense of uh, where the where the mind places itself. So, you know, I'm walking home and I, my feet are wet and cold, and I'm fed up and I'm miserable because my feet are wet and cold. And I come inside and I see what's on the telly. And wow, look at that! And I'm no longer fed up and miserable. My feet are still wet and cold, but I'm not fed up. So I'm, I'm quite excited by that. You know. Or I'm walking along, my, my fingers are getting chilly from the cold, and I see a fiver lying on the road. And I pick it up, and I'm happy. Yeah. My fingers are still as cold as they were before, but now I've gone from being gloomy, unloved, depressed, overworked, unburdened, to being you know, blessed, loved, you know, whatever. What happened? Mind just told something else to focus on. So the the feeling, um, you know, is 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 uh, something that becomes becomes where the the uh, the sense of self, and yet the feeling is also dependent upon what is what is where the, where the focus is, and how the focus is, and we can recognise that, you know, this is particularly the case with mental feeling, you know, the number of thoughts or images or perceptions that are possible for us in any time, moment in the day and the sense of self that comes out of them just linger on a few of the unfortunate ones you feel totally wretched and the, un- the fortunate ones are not there at all so the, the, the health of the body the you know, whatever, 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 the kind of assets one has in one life are, are, are lost because somebody shouted at me. Somebody called me a name. Somebody said, hey, piggy, fatso, or <laughs> you're a creep, you're a jerk, you're no good, you know. So that which lasted maybe one or two seconds, remembered, you know, poured, you know, lingered upon, unpleasant feeling. I actually am that, or I am not. If I if I'm not that, then I am. Um, I'm I'm somebody who needs to defend myself from that, or counterattack, or something of that nature. Or I am I am unloved. I am hated. I am despised by other people. When maybe one person said one thing for two seconds. So. You know, you get the what the mind attends to, the feeling tone, the mental mood, and then the state. And of course, with with mind, the 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 thing about it is that those very states then can be focused upon, and those moods then can be focused on to regenerate, as we all recognise. Say, you know the daily experience of just you know the kaleidoscope of the mind just churning over these images which are regenerating 
moods and perceptions of ourselves, particular states of what we are and, and the reactions to that and the wanting to be another state and to get rid of this state and find a real self another state. Maybe if I went down and had a bag of chips, I'd be a happy person. Um, you know, that kind of thing. To get rid of that unfortunate perception that occurs when somebody called me a name. And then we can think about things, oh dear, I'm neurotic, I should be able to handle this, or I'm obsessed with chips, or... <laughs> and so on. So, you know, the whole thing <coughs> takes over. And what has occurred, really, is that one has relied purely upon that process of a feeling from a particular event uh, being transformed into, into this mind mental mood and mental state and it's just got locked into a vortex vitaka vichara the, the two processes of focusing and fixing and evaluation just got locked in a vortex like dogs chasing each other's tails and you think what you think gives you a bad feeling so you think about that which gives you a bad feeling so you think about that and you think hey, you could try to be something other than that that makes you feel worried and insecure and so on so it, it spins around like that and try as one can one can't get out of it. We can just put, you know, put other, think about other things, but the basic disturbed pattern is registered, often be beyond the mind, because we're actually much larger than our mind. So those particular disturbances and vortexes that have been set up in, by this mental locking and interference are then stored. Or, or, or transferred into the larger sense of one's of oneself, kind of shadow, and that is not necessarily experienced until we stop thinking, or until some of the more active thought processes die down, and we find this funny feeling of being a bit disconnected or out of it, or and then what comes up for us in the stream strange sense of being quite tight or afflicted or or can't find your body sort of spaced out or you know, the things that the the things that seem so irrational strange sense of, of of rage or craving or need or loneliness coming up and maybe triggering off thoughts but really coming out of the, the background of awareness that we were not really with when we were in our minds mind is a, is a kind of a, an abstracting separative process it sort of takes us out of the fullness of awareness into a little locality of it like a steering wheel with, which has lost which has come out of the car so you know you walk down the street with your steering wheel but no car has an effect on, on the car provided it's still connected to it <laughs> say it's irrelevant and uh, so much of our time we can just be walking along with a steering wheel wondering why we're not actually getting anywhere or feeling that you know feeling that much in control of our lives we're steering like crazy <laughs>
so much of our time we can just be walking along with a steering wheel wondering why we're not actually getting anywhere or feeling that you know feeling that much in control of our lives we're steering like crazy (laughs) (laughs) there's a great determination holding it until your knuckles go white you know actually steering why aren't I feeling any better because we haven't actually come to the larger sense this is where these, these other you can see what happens in samadhi one does come to that larger sense through the skillfulness and through recognising there is this and the kind of qualities that can actually bring one out of the narrowness beginning with virtue developing a sense of, of contentment and ease and rapture and so forth and that for is most uh, easily uh, classically the easiest way there is through the body You know, because we normally would normal person experience ourselves as a mind and a body, basically the two two things. We can, but we can get to those fairly readily. So if we come to the body, we actually can come to um, a field of attention which is more than just thought. It's it's tactile. It's sensed. It's warm. It's it's got pressures in it. It's quite rigid. It's firm. It, it, it you know, the tactile qualities to it. And again, you know, for, for in beginning meditation, often that, that is kind of a struggle to get to that. To get the body, you know, first of all, feel comfortable sitting, sitting how one sits, sitting in a chair, standing, sitting on the floor. Just better get a, a, a reasonable way of registering one's body completely. And we may recognise that with that we still don't experience the wholeness of the body. We experience a bit of it, maybe the knees, the shoulders, the head, and particular points. Uh, but then when you develop something like mindfulness of breathing, you're actually going very much deeper into the whole sense of being a body. And this is where um, you, come, you come to know the, uh, the particular disturbance patterns that have been established through through that, that through the mind and much of that would just be pure absence get out don't be here it will be the the, the normal um, normal but uh, habitual mental activity is get out get into the mind get onto that steering wheel think figure must be an answer must be something to know must be an excuse for this must be an answer to this must be a reason for this Um, must be something to learn and think about get out into that place where it's it's out there reasonable thought about oh there's the answer now we'll do it So the, the actual abandonment of body presence. You, know, you think, oh, no, abandon, you know, abandoned body presence. I play football, I dance, and go around. You know, sure, I'm with my body. But we're with it in as only in in the mental sense. That is, the mind is directing the body towards, you know, give pleasant feeling. 
pleasant states. We're not in the body as the body. We're in the body as a tool of, of our concerns, our gratifications, our needs. We're, we're in the body in respect of what, we're, what our mind is absorbed in. The body becomes a tool of the mind. We're not in the body as body. So, first foundation, be in the body as body. The sense of having a body, the warmth of it, the pressures of it, the rhythms of it, the subtle sensations in it, the coarse sensations in it. And that coming out of the, the numbness, of not feeling one's body internally in itself, the resistance to it, the way that the, the mind would tend to want to run off and find some other source of find of um, expressing its needs or being gratified or following its habits. And just being able to keep coming back into that. Coming to the and so feeling it, not thinking it, but really feeling it. Cultivation of samadhi, we get the, the from arriving at a, a quality of feeling that's not just dependent, not dependent upon external stimulation or pressures or you know, painful or unpleasant, but, but actually the, the quality of feeling that arises from just from a body being a body, rather than the body touching the floor or the body um, doing this or that or the other. Just the, the internal quality of a body. So this is the, the, the kind of embodiment experience that is the, the basis for getting a larger sense of ourselves. It's present. Particular feelings fluctuate within it. And yet it's not the, the quality of feeling but the sense of embodiment which is large and expansive. And because... So it's not the particular... Um, tactile sense but the if you like the the general awareness of body that has got a, a sense of ease to it if we can come to this even momentarily drop into this or enlarge it a little bit from our normal sense of our bodies some say you know maybe just a head with a bit of shoulders and some hands and knees you know to a much larger sense of that you begin to recognise how you, one's normal map or experience of body is, is how constricted it is how little of it actually comes into play at any particular time like we sit, we sit with our legs the rest of it just kind of sits on top of it <laughs> hangs in there you know, waiting for something to happen you sit in a chair, you sit sit with your backside, the rest of it sort of hangs around, you know, picks up a book, eats something, watches the telly. You don't sit with your whole body. You know. And so that's the that's the customary mode of our life. When we, we operate the body, you operate a bit at a time. The rest of it just is absent. But learning to sit with one's whole body from the crown of the head down to the 
to the feet. So everything is actually in tune. This is this is the way of mindfulness. So then you get the sense of the whole body, which is not the same as the particular local feelings that may be occurring within it. You've got a much broader uh, reference than that. And that reference is the place of, of presence and ease. And notice when one is, how that, that disappears. We may find when we're breathing we can't actually feel much below the ribs or below the navel or you can't feel your throat or your breathing is only something that happens between your nose and the back of your throat. Well, it's a localised bodily experience. And then um, when we begin to rest in that, we can maybe notice particular patterns of moods of strange sort of tension or dullness or, or instability. The localised experience of body is associated with those mental habits that I described earlier, mentioned earlier. If you look at it when it's when it's mu- when you have much stronger moves, like when you have fear, which parts of your body do you experience? What really comes up into play? Where the where the sadness is? Where the where the joyfulness is? Why is it? And when we're contemplating the breath. What is it that actually, when, when the, we experience the breath in, in a particular way, like just moving up and down our chest, what is underneath that or behind that? What stops the whole body being felt? What is, the, what is it that makes our body seem so narrow and small? What is the sense of our body at any particular time? So contemplating, the, if you like, the boundaries of that body sense can give one a reference to the, the afflictive currents that are present often associated with fear insecure fear, anxiety, insecurity those things it's not safe to be completely here a bit of you has got to be you know, out or grief, sadness, depression one isn't welcome here you're not wanted here so much of you isn't here and that's a, that comes up as a body sense the craving and longing to be to have something to be something the frustration or rage these particular patterns contemplate how much of you is, one is here in those states, how much of the body is here.
and people can find themselves in such extreme dire circumstances they do most anything to get a whole sense of course the, the, the normal possibilities are intense pleasure you know, surfing, body surfing hang gliding you know, anything to get a sense of really being right out there you know, something ecstatic you know, take some ecstasy and go to a rave you know, techno rock at 500 R- RPM or something you just bash your brains out and you go, wow you know, what a buzz you were there for a moment you know, get on top of a mountain where you, your whole body has to be totally alive because if you make one false move you, you slip off you're there you know it's horrible but you're there <laughs> go to a movie and get frightened frightened stiff what's you know some ghastly horror movie get, you know, get sick with fear but you're really there for a moment your mind actually stops thinking you're, you're totally there and to down to things that actually are the perversions you know things that people do the, the violence the masochism the, the self abuse get flagellated you know it's horrible but you're really there for a moment it just throws one out into a much raw, more raw and complete sense. And so that, that, that need is sometimes, you know, even perversions can take us to that. You know, what are they for? Well, why do people do those kinds of things? The, the complete lack of wholeness in which it's better to be whole in a depraved sense than, than shut down, a little shut down pinstripe microcosm. So there is a need for that, and in, in, in samadhi and meditation, we're trying to experience that rather than become little narrow-minded meditators stuck up in some, you know, isolated zone, the top of the head, looking down upon it all, thinking, "I can get out of all this, get out of this whole feeling body mess," and I call it transcendence. That would be a good excuse. <laughs> This perversion. <laughs> so you know, one can actually find that that, that same mind trap can take over spiritual path, where there's ignoring of wholeness, fear of wholeness, disgust about wholeness, into some kind of little untouchable little point somewhere else out of it mm. but then if we if we can do that and um, or attempt it or try or get it for little periods of time notice how how reluctant one is to, to come back or into this or how unbalanced one is what kind of views and conceits that arise you know the imaginations of other worlds and other states that we can use to back up these these this this mental habit, and then you place it against what the Buddha taught: is there joy, is there ease? Are we present with the way it is? Do we know and see things as they really are, or are we fabricating a little place, little kind of 
spot to get out of where the way it is. There are when we think when we consider something like mind as knowing, actually knowing has different um, metaphors associated with it. And uh, last weekend, somebody was mentioning to me about neurolingual um, studies, and they say you have basically three three particular pathways. One is the visual, auditory, or the kinesthetic. Kinesthetic is the body sense. So we would, uh, when you be, when you start out life as a as a little one, you're basically kinesthetic. You grab, you hold, you squeeze, you suck, you finger, you poke. <laughs> That's how you know the world. You don't think about it at all. You poke it, suck it, squeeze it, kick it, <laughs> crawl on it, <laughs> chew it. <laughs> That's how you know what. That's how you know what coal is. <laughs> you eat a bit of it. <laughs> you don't really think about carbon and some sort of chemical stuff. That's how you know it. You get a bit, then eventually you kind of come to a more literate state, more articulate state, where you get kind of generally frog marched into it, and it's uh, you start to listen up. You know, you get told what to do. You know, so you, you get the more the auditory sense. You get the kind of shouted at and uh, praise and so forth. And you, you listen up a bit, so you start to really, you know, babies for a few months. Poking is, you know, start to there's got to be something a bit more than just poking and squeezing. So you start to listen up to the to the sounds that are going around. Oh, there's messages in here somewhere, you know, and they go gaga giggy, and they start to make the sounds and see what happens. And then, so they learn through that. Then after a while, they get frog marched off to school. And look at these books. They start to get the, these little squiggles in front of my eyes mean something. Yeah. So you get the, you know, so then, then the adult will normally actually sort of tend towards more and more visual, visual experience or the visual metaphors of mind. I see what you mean. I'm a clear-sighted person. I've got clear understanding of what's going on. This kind of thing. I have visions of the future. And uh, that's you know the kind of the adult ideal is very much head into intellect um, and the ability to, to you know, using very much the knowing sense as primarily related to, to to a visual metaphor and what the eyes do and the eyes are are abstractors they see things in terms of distance body experience in terms of feeling pleasure pain I doesn't experience pleasure and pain. I experience here and there. You know, you know how far away it is, how big it is. It doesn't know anything about pleasantness, painfulness. Ear hears things in terms of rhythm, silence and sound, and rhythm and flow. I doesn't see things in terms of rhythm and flow. It sees things in sharp edges round things. It's there. It's not there. On off binary kind of thing. You don't get things being kind of half there visually so you get different so the mind is trained you know to adopt a kind of visual stance on the world 
primarily. Not to feel it, not to 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 emphasise with it, which is very much more like a the ear sense, which the child does. You know, hears the sound and, and puts it back. Hears somebody say da da, and you go ga ga, and then you know you just do this kind of you're emphasising, resonating, relating. I doesn't relate to things. It says you're out there, I'm here. We're separate. Goodbye. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, come here, or whatever. You know, but we're definitely distinctive things so the mind would tend to operate in that way doesn't flow doesn't feel doesn't resonate doesn't participate in experience, stands back from experience and thinks about it mind is an about um, distancing experience on that level Now, actually, when people develop meditation, sometimes they, they're in their samadhi, they get visual images. So, you know, you get particular bright signs appear in the mind, you can focus on those. Other people hear kind of sounds or silences, they get a sense of, you know, big, awesome space, which is much more like a sound thing. Other people get a kind of like a felt sense, you know, like they feel present, they feel some kind of, something that's more like a bodily sense. So you have these different kinds of nimittas in samadhi which relate to these neurolingual pathways, neurolingual um, aspects of mind. So they're all workable with, but um, primarily, as long as one can uh, use that to, to come out of the patterns of mind, I find myself that the, the kinesthetic, I'm a poke and squeeze person now. I work more, moving more that way. It's a kind of infantile state. Having been very much uh, up in my head, you know, I find that there's a, I mean, there's a lot of benefit in just getting more tactile, in, or more of mind as a tactile thing. Experiencing something like worry as a body experience, like the, the slight tensing or the slight queasiness of worry, the agitation of worry, like as a body sense, the the flushing tension of rage or anger as a body sense, rather than a, a right wrong you know idea, but the kind of flush of it like that. Um, a sense of loneliness or as a, as a kind of diminished body sense or a kind of depression or sadness in, those, in, those, in, a, in a body sense so things aren't necessarily you know, all swimmingly wonderful but using, using the body sense as a way of acknowledging those tendencies when they're present and by being able to refer to the wholeness of the body gradually unfolding them Unfolding out of that contracted or that, or stabilizing out of that agitated state, or relaxing out of that tensed up state. Now, when we're in the experience of samadhi, then the the primary hindrances of the thinking mind are laid, but the fundamental patterns of need and uh, abstraction 
um, are still present. And so in, you can actually contemplate those uh, you know, before they turn into hindrances or at the point when something is, is coming up as a hindrance. So in, in what's called the fourth foundation of mindfulness, when actually having established a firm frame of reference, we begin to touch the edges of that, those hindrances. And this is considered to be a skillful, an extremely skillful and most valuable um, form of practice in that we're not just kind of sidelining the issue, but actually coming to the place where those issues are happening and being able to to dismantle them. You can't dismantle them if they're not there, but normally when they occur, you can't dismantle them because one one is incapacitated by it, one is caught up in it. So this process of really see, being able to see and hold things as they actually are means you have to have a base that can do that. And uh, this is what samadhi is about. For me, that's very much a kinesthetic experience, body experience, working with it in that way. still requires the, the agility of, of awareness you've got to be flexible not completely moronic experience the knowingness is there one can know one can sense oneself feeling narrow one can self one sense feeling slack or feeling taut and then you know, by, by contemplating that without the mind in the body you know to kind of come out of that And more fundamental things like the the what it's the then the, this sense of being drawn into and obsessing, worrying, doubting, getting caught up can be can be relinquished. This is what is meant by the process of of disenchantment and nibbida. Nibbida is related to, the, to a word meaning it's the opposite of being drawn into digging yourself into you know delving into it's coming out of that it's like coming out of the trance so it's not a bored state when you say disenchant doesn't mean you feel fed up with everything it means one is out of the trance some of those trances are negative trances depressed fed up you know we love me useless crumb like I am never going to get anywhere some of them are kind of Hypnotic trances, like I'm wonderful, everything's great. You know, you're up. And as I say, most of us are going to fluctuate, hopefully, in, in kind of more minimal diminutions of those kind of uh, those swings of the pendulum. But being able to recognize and not get fascinated by one's depression, not get caught in it, not make, not trying to figure it out, not go into it with the mind and understand it because the likelihood is that the mind that goes into that with the mind that is the actual originator of that depression will go into it you know you feel depressed so well yeah I know I'm no good useless I can't get out of this either <laughs> you know so you go into it with the very thought the very thing that that, that, that is the is the originator of that 
So you can't approach the, the mind's hindrances from the mind. You have to come to something bigger than that to, to, to pull one out because that very mind is afflicted by that particular pattern. You have to get something that can actually unfold that pattern. This is what samadhi is about. It's not about, you know, just spacing out, abstracting, you know, doing your spiritual bit, being somewhere else. It's really about getting the, the, the foundations to, to, to come out of the trance, not to go into a trance. He used to translate samadhi as trance. He entered into the fourth trance. That's exactly the thing you don't want to do. <laughs> to come out of the trance because it's about waking up (laughs) the negative trances the kind of ghosts and things of the mind and when one is no longer uh, dismayed by one's depression no longer intoxicated by one's passions no longer fed up with one's passions when actually one has stopped mentally reduplicating those afflictions. One has got a place to hold those passions, hold those moods, hold those those accumulations till they unfold. Then one sees one is dispassionate and one knows what liberation is. It's not you know one is actually sees something that one was, something that one did, something that was one's life, and it is not there. something that was them and the world and it's not there and it's not you're like you're, you're dead or you're absent or you're unconscious or you've gone into some moronic st- trance or another you're bright and clear and awake but that limitation is not there it's exactly that's all that it is I mean, perhaps that's the wrong way to say it I mean, that's a massive thing but to be to be out of that hypnosis of one's apparent life and to know it as a feeling to know it as a presence and to know it with the mind the mind in a way my experience is in such kind of you know whatever results I've experienced in some small way or larger way or whatever the mind is the last to learn the presence gets it first in the feeling and in the mind finally oh <laughs> rather than you figure it out you've got it sorted out in your mind so you've got to make it work on to see if you can get it to happen it happens and then you oh well, that's what it was about oh I see and every time one of those liberations occur and there can be minor liberations and larger liberations every time some kind of insert occurs it's like the thing happens and then you understand it likelihood is having understood it oh I got it I know what it is now <laughs> oh I've got to figure it out right well I'm going to do the next thing and it's gone up into the head and the head has hijacked the insight into some kind of self 